Welcome to the Money Answer Show with host Jordan Goodman. Whether you are starting out, deep into your retirement, or somewhere in between, the Money Answer Show has the know-how to help you. Now here's your host, Jordan Goodman. Welcome to the Money Answer Show. This is Jordan Goodman, your host. My guest this hour is Tom Wallace. He's a startup and investment expert in Florida, and he runs what's called the Florida Funders Fund, which helps uh, startup and smaller companies get funding in Florida. Welcome to the Money Answer Show, Tom. Jordan, thanks for having me on. I'm very excited to be joining you today. Just give us a brief history of uh, how you got to where you are today, a little bit of your background. Oh, sure. I'd be happy to. Well, I, I've been in tech my entire career, and I started as an entrepreneur. Um, my uh, Kind of a, a different story from most people. Um, my best friend and I started our first company together when we were 23 years old, and uh, which was back in the early 80s and the dawning of the personal and microcomputer revolution. And we've done a number of companies since, uh, many exits, um, probably three or four over the years. Usually about once a decade, we've started a company and then exited. And we're still in business today. Uh, Florida Funders um, is a hybrid between a venture capital firm and a, a network of angel investors, and we do early stage technology investing. So along the way of my entrepreneur, uh, along the way of being an entrepreneur and running tech companies, uh, I started angel investing about 30 years ago, which is pretty common with tech folks. You know, you're you're out and about, and you know, you're you're in the entrepreneurial tech community, and it's very common for for uh, tech entrepreneurs to become angel investors. So that's how I got my start, and I made a lot of mistakes and learned a lot of lessons along the way. So why is Florida, in particular, a good state to be investing in? Uh, startups and tech companies? Yeah, that's a great question. And it's so topical because if you've been following, you know, a lot of the the tech circles, uh, there's a big movement for people to come to Florida right now. A lot of tech heavyweights have announced they're moving here. They're moving to Miami, both out of New York City, which is a lot, there's a lot of capital companies coming here, hedge funds, private equity, venture capital, as well as is from California. I had, I was on I had a meeting with the mayor, Mara Suarez of uh, Miami last week, and he had uh, Peter Thiel was in town for lunch the day before, and the, the Winklevoss twins, he had just met with them. And, I mean, some of the people that are really looking at Miami and Florida to come to is really exciting from a technology standpoint. And why are they doing that? Well, we're a very pro-business state. We have great, ta- you know, very low taxes, no personal income tax. Uh, there's a lot of energy here. We're the third largest state, so there's a lot of talent here. And also, you know, especially in speaking for Miami, it's very, inter- you know, it's a very international city. So we've got a lot of uh, very positive things going for us. And then from an investor standpoint, you know, from our standpoint, we think the valuations here are much better. In other words, what we invest in companies at, we don't have to pay the premium price that, that venture capitalists and angel investors in New York City and San Francisco and Silicon Valley have to pay. We think we, we, think we get better deals. How many deals do you look at during a year? Uh, we look at, you know, we say roughly 50 to 100 a month, so 600 to 1,200 to do about, you know, a dozen deals. We do about one a month, sometimes a little bit faster pace than that. So um, we have, you know, part of being successful as an angel investor, one of the five Ds, as we call them, is deal flow. And a lot of times when I talk to angel investors and somebody's done like three deals and they say, well, I did three deals and they all went to zero and that doesn't work. Um, they violated the five Ds, which one of the Ds is also diversification. They, they 
definitely got the first one wrong. But the second one is, you know, I'll say to them, well, how many deals did you look at to do the three deals you did? A lot of times for people, only three, it was a friend of a friend or my, my friend's nephew was starting his company. Well, if you're, not very, if you're not looking at a lot of deals and you're not being highly, highly selective, then your probability for returns are gonna, are gonna suffer accordingly. What are the other two Ds other than diversification and deal flow? Due diligence. Uh, there's a lot of research on this in, in the industry that the amount of due diligence is related to your returns. And if you do more than 20 hours of due diligence on any deal, you're increasing your probability of returns. At Florida Funders, we do 80 to 100 hours of due diligence on every uh, company before we invest in it. So that's everything from really digging in with the founders and getting to know them and background checks and you know, references to um, calling early stage customers and interviewing them and asking them, well, is this a nice to have product or a have to have? What do we put it out of here tomorrow? What other products did you look at when you bought this product? Um, when your contract's up for renewal in a year, are you going to do that? So due diligence and then domain expertise. So we, you know, if you're a doctor and you're looking at investing in a medical device company, obviously you know a lot more and bring a lot more domain expertise and have a better chance of success than if you're a doctor investing in, say, you know, uh, a technology infrastructure company. So uh, one of the things is we we believe at Florida Funders is we have a vast network of investors, over 1,500. And across that spectrum, we have about 100 of those investors that get involved and are happy to help us evaluate deals and look at them. And so we have domain expertise, whether it be Insurance tech, restaurant tech, fintech, digital health. But in, in sticking with this, this D, we, we, we're disciplined because that's the last D is discipline. There are five Ds. We're disciplined about we don't invest in things we don't know. So we don't invest in bio life sciences. We don't invest in medical devices. Um, areas really outside of, 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 our, of our domain expertise. So what has been your track record? If you're doing roughly one a, a month or 12 a year, of those in the longer term, how many of those are successful and how many of those go to zero? Yeah, and this goes back to the diversification. If, you know, again, there's a lot of research on this. We say if you're going to build a portfolio of angel investments, you really need to have at least 10 companies in there to get the level of the diversification that are going to optimize your, your probability for return. So we say a third of the companies we invest in are going to zero. A third, we're just going to get our money back or 90% of our money back or 110% of our money back. We're really not going to make any money on and then the top third is where we're going to make all our money in the top half of the top third. So it's a, you know, early stage technology investing is a risk reward um, game. And, you know, there, there is a fair amount of risk. That's why we never suggest anybody should put like, you know, 10% of their asset allocation into this, this asset class. It's more like, you know, five or less. Um, but the rewards are great. So when you hit a big one, it's, you know, my last company that, that um, I exited, that I was running, it was a 50x uh, return. So the the big one, when you hit, you should hit big, um, but you've you've got to do the five Ds to increase your probability for that. But if and that has been your real life experience. Is this roughly a third very successful, a third kind of breaking even, a third losing? Is that in fact what the track record has been? Well, um, we've only been at this four years, so. The vast majority of investments we've made have not had exits yet. In fact, we've only had two exits. Um, I mean, this is a long-term game. So, you know, when you invest in an early-stage tech company, you're really looking for, um, you know, it's an illiquid investment, and you're not, you're typically not going to exit that investment for three to ten years. So, 
um, you got to take that into, in, into consideration. So being at, only at it four years, most of our companies haven't exited. So we're still, you know, still in the process. We've had two exits, which were pretty good. No home runs yet. Um, and then we've had, we've had one or two that have, uh, have gone out of business or failed. Uh-huh. Okay, very good. We're going to take a break. Uh, this is Jordan Goodman of The Money Answer Show. My guest this hour is Tom Wallace. He's a startup and investment expert in Florida. He runs a fund called Florida Funders, which funds technology companies of all types in Florida. And you can find out more about him and everything he's doing at floridafunders.com. We'll be back after this. Finding simple and effective ways to keep employees engaged and customers happy is always top of mind if you're a business owner or manager. And that's especially challenging when face-to-face interaction is limited, like it has been lately with COVID and everybody having meetings over Zoom. So trying to find a way to stand out to your customers and make your employees feel extra valued is really important. You could trust Uber as a way to request rides and order meals from restaurants. But did you know that Uber's platform is designed specifically for businesses? Over 160,000 companies use Uber for business to improve customer and employee satisfaction. Having a hard time getting people to show up or stay engaged in virtual team meetings or events? With vouchers from Uber for business, you can add $20 to their personal Uber accounts so they can easily order meals through Uber Eats before the meeting. Want to make your customers love your business even more? Offer them a voucher for a free meal or ride when they make their first purchase or spend a certain amount. Any company can sign up for free, immediately start delivering extra value to the people who matter most to their businesses. Vouchers are as simple to send and redeem as with an email. Your business has total control over who gets them, when they expire, and what portion of the ride or meal you want to cover. Vouchers are shared via email or text and can be redeemed with a single tap. Best of all, you only pay for rides they take or meals they order. So right now, Uber for Business is offering companies a $50 voucher credit when you spend your first $200 with vouchers. Go to uber.com slash moneypod, P-O-D, to learn more. That's uber.com slash moneypod for a $50 voucher credit. Go to uber.com slash moneypod. Terms and conditions apply. Nobody likes the guy who says, I told you so. The guy in 1991 who said to you, invest in the internet, it's going to be huge. Or the guy in 1997 who said, come on, this is going to be big. They call it social media. And the guy in 2009 who said, I'm telling you, man, crypto is real. Now, I'm not going to be that guy who says, I told you so. But I am telling you that there is a 21-year-old international company where you can become a global project partner earning a passive income doing exactly what you're doing at this moment. No selling, no recruiting clients, no administering a business after hours. Visit www.mypassiveincome.life now. That's mypassiveincome.life. Don't let history repeat itself on this one. Earn a passive income. Now listen again. That's mypassiveincome.life. Have you had a chance to check out Voice America's online magazine and blog? If you love our hosts and shows, check out articles that give an even deeper perspective, plus topics about health and fitness, movie reviews, philosophy, business tips and tactics, spirituality, positive thought, current events, and even more about your favorite host. 
It's just a click away at blog.voiceamerica.com. That's blog.voiceamerica.com. The Voice America Press Blog. All access, all the time. We're always talking business. Talk to an expert. Call now. Toll free. 866-472-5790. That's 866-472-5790. Voice America Business Network. You've been listening to The Money Answer Show with Jordan Goodman. If you have a question for Jordan or his guest, please call us now at 866-472-5790. That's 866-472-5790. Now back to Jordan. Welcome back to Money After Show. This is Jordan Goodman, your host. My guest this hour is Tom Wallace. He's a startup and investment expert in uh, doing particularly technology companies in Florida. You can find out more about him and his funds at floridafunders.com. Welcome back to the show, Tom. Thank you, Jordan. Glad to be here. So tell us about your first fund, which is now closed, and just in general about your second fund, if people are interested in finding out more about this. In the first fund... What kind of returns have there been and what kind of investments? Just give us a sense of what happened there and, and what's going to happen with the second fund, just in general. Yeah, I'm, well, we can't really, you know, show a lot of returns because we haven't had exits. Um, the, you know, typically when you're investing in this stage, uh, the average, you know, the time period of the investment is somewhere between three to seven years, we say. But sometimes it can go as, as long as 10 years. So our first fund we launched three years ago. The money's fully invested, um, but we we haven't had very many exits. We've had two exits out of that fund, and both of them were winners. Um, one was like 1.8 times. One was more like two, and uh, we've had had one company go, uh, go that that failed, which we we plan for and and expect. So it's just too early. The second fund's going to be a larger fund. We invest. Maybe I could tell you a little bit. We invest. We call ourselves early stage tech investors. We invest after, typically after the family and friends round. So this company, the company we're investing in, our typical investment, you know, they have they have a, a real product, what we call a minimal viable product, a real MVP. They have real customers using it. They have some amount of revenue. It may not be a lot. Um, could be up to you know a couple hundred thousand dollars of reoccurring revenue, but typically it's a little lower than that. Um, but we're looking to our average check size is about a million dollars. And we're looking to get that company from when we make that investment to what we call a Series A. And their Series A round will be led by an institutional venture capital firm, and it'll be a round of between five and, say, $10 million is, is typically uh, how that works. I mean, there are some yeah. exceptions. We have one company we invest in, put a million bucks in. They'll never need to raise money again. They've become profitable. Um, you know, but that that's an anomaly. So... Uh, <laughs> What makes you uh, invest in one company and not another? You've done the four Ds. You've done your due diligence and all that. Is it the management or what is it that differentiates something you are going to invest in with something you don't invest in? Yeah, I would tell you that we look really hard at the founder or founders. Sometimes it's a two or three person team. It's usually one or two people. We look really hard at them. Do they have what it takes? Because building businesses and being an entrepreneur is a really tough gig. And it's going to get tough. I mean, Uber almost went out of business like three times before that, you know, they made it. And there's countless stories like that. I mean, it's, it's never a linear rise to the top. I mean, it's a, it's a roller coaster. And does this founder or founders, do they have the stick to itness? Do they have the, the perseverance, the determination that they're going to do whatever it takes 
with with morally with, within we we definitely look look at that side of things too to be successful. And so I mean, you know, and part of that is you know do we feel like these are people we can trust? Um, you know, we're giving them a lot of money. We want to make sure that they're going to spend that money, invest that money like it were their own. Um, and so that's a that's a big part of our due diligence is looking at this in that decision criteria. Do we like the team? Secondly, you know, we're going to look at, you know, what's the problem they're solving? Um, is it really a problem? Is it something that, you know, you know, the cab system in America was broken and, you know, Travis Kalanick and Uber saw that and there was a, there was a big problem that needed solving. Sometimes people have a good product and, a, you know, a, a nice piece of software or whatever, but they're solving a product that's kind of a, eh, not a big problem. It's kind of a, you know, maybe a, um, you know, it's just more of a, an annoyance, you know, if you will. So we, we look at that um, and we look at, you know, what's the, what's the opportunity? If, if, if this goes well, how big's the market? How fast can they grow this? What's, what's the upside potential? Because one of our criteria for making investment is we don't want to invest in any company where we don't think there's at least the, the potential of a 10x return. You know, so we're this not is gonna, the total, you know, total addressable market well, they talk about, right? This is the TAM, the total addressable market. They're always talking yeah, about, right? TAM's the total addressable market. And then the return is for every dollar we put in, we want at least a chance to get at least 10 bucks, $10 back four or five, and six what years What role do you road. play in management? Once you actually have invested in something, Tom, do you put somebody on the board or how involved are you in managing the company once you've actually invested? Yeah, and that's, 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 that's part of our secret sauce of Florida Funders. We don't just write checks. We take a board seat. We get involved. We do a deep dive right after we write the check. We tear their business apart from, you know, accounting, reporting structure, technology, go-to-market strategy, what's your marketing strategy, what's your, what's your sales, what's your sales plan. What, you know, we, we get dig deep into the business, and our partners are almost all, all former entrepreneurs that have a lot of experience. And we, we really look to see how we can help this company add value to it, increase their probability of success, and accelerate um, their, their growth and their scale. We, our team, of, you know, me and my partners have a, a vast history of growing and scaling businesses. And, you know, and that's a big part of what we do. And part of that's, you know, also coaching and mentoring the CEO or the founder, helping them with introductions if they want to get into, you know, with early customers, especially in the enterprise. We typically, we have good connections into most of the major corporations in Florida and oftentimes outside of Florida. So, yeah, we're definitely looking to add value and to help these companies be successful. And it's very rare for us to find a company that doesn't need help. Every once in a while, maybe it's an entrepreneur. This is their third time and, you know, they know what they're doing and they, they, got, it, they got it pretty much all figured out. But that's the exception. Most of our founders, you know, they're eager for help. They want help and they, they, they need it. Yeah, very good. So that makes a real difference. And in, in, so you bring in expertise in that particular field uh, to yeah. join the board representing you. I mean, you're not an expert in every industry, so you're bringing in correct. So people we we look at our our operating partners, which are a hundred of our investors that said, "Hey, I want to get more involved." And you know, if we're doing a, an insurance technology company, we're gonna we it's a it's a matching game. We're gonna look for one of our investors that has a you know, extensive experience in, 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 in that, in, in the insurance space that can really help that company succeed and add value in those, the industry. So yeah it's, a, yeah, it's a bit of a matching game, but then they can leverage all the rest of us. They're the kind of the tipping porter point or the liaison between the, 
the, the, the startup and Florida funders, and we can leverage our vast network of all of our other investors and our partners, um, you know, that board members, the, the, the go-to person, but they may, they've got a lot behind them. And, so and looking by the way, at- on the other side of it, when you're a founder, if you have a good company and you've, you've gotten some traction, you typically can take money from a couple different sources, a bunch of different sources. And, you know, one of the things that, you know, we, we think that a lot of the companies that, you know, choose to um, take our money is, is they want our help. They want our experience. They, they want the value add that we can provide. Yeah. In looking back at the failures, at the ones that went to zero, not only in the Florida Funders Fund, but all the, the time you've done, what do you learn from failures and could you have anticipated that it didn't work out because you went into it with hope and thinking it was going to work out and, and something didn't work. What have you learned from your failures? Oh, there's a lot of lessons we've learned. One is we've learned that sometimes the person we invested in, the founder, wasn't what we thought. They didn't have the perseverance or, you know, they didn't, they didn't have the stick to itness. They were, they were just not the right, the right jockey to back. Um, sometimes we, you know, it's a timing issue. I mean, one of the things with technology is timing is everything. You could be too early, but you can also be too late. You know, so we want to, you know, we've seen companies fail because they got great technology, but, you know, the, you know, the need's just not there yet. They're, ahead, they're too far ahead. And we've seen the opposite where, you know, by the time they launch and, and, and get out there and start growing, you know, their, their others have beat them, beat them to the game. Um, so those are a couple. You know, the, the other thing too is, um, well, there's a lot of lessons, but those are t- those are those are two that, kind of, that are pretty prevalent. Um, you know, they they don't execute failure to execute, and the biggest mistake founders make. And as an as an entrepreneur, you know, most of my life, you know, I think I I say that most most entrepreneurs have some level of ADD. I know I do. Is is uh, the biggest mistake we see a lot of founders make is lack of focus. They they get that. Mm-hmm next shiny object and they just don't stick to trying to do one or two things, but do them really well and execute. They get, you know, they see, you know, some other opportunity and they start chasing that. Then they see another opportunity and they're all over the place. And that's, that's the kiss of death. I mean, you, you, you got to stay super focused. And when they start saying, well, we're going to open a division to do this, or we're going to, we're a software company, but we're getting all this data. Now we're going to become a data company. It's okay to pivot, you know, that, and that's pretty common in the, in the journey. If, if a company is, you know, I think, I think uh, you know, a lot of companies pivot and do so successfully, but that's because they're trying to do something not quite working. And then they're like, but we see if we just change course here, you know, then we really have a, a tremendous opportunity. That's fine. But it's when it's, they're, they're all over the place. Eh, today they're doing this. Next week they're doing this. The week after, you know, that, that almost never works. So has your experience meant that as time gone on, you've had fewer losing companies because you've taken the experience and applied that to what you invest in? Yeah. I mean, again, it's early for us to claim that, but we certainly believe that. I look back on the companies we invested in four years ago, some of the early companies, and some of them will will survive. I mean, that's what's weird about this game is like some of the high flyers that are just killing it will crash and burn. And some of the ones that are like fledging and barely getting along will all of a sudden pivot and and that'll take off. But I will say that I believe we've gotten a lot better. We have a bigger due diligence team. We have a lot more experience on the team. Um, we're much more selective. Some of the companies we invested in four or five years ago probably never invested in today. Um, 
you know, mm-hmm. and, and so, yeah, we believe we're getting better at this. We're learning. Um, but again, it's early and, you know, and, and I can't point to it and say, yeah, we absolutely can show where, because we, again, it's just too early in the game. Very good. We're going to take another break. This is Jordan Goodner of the Money Answer Show. My guest this hour is Tom Wallace. He's a startup and investment expert, and he funds uh, small technology companies at various stages in Florida. Uh, His fund is called the Florida Funders Fund, and you can find out more about him at his website, floridafunders.com. We'll be back after this. It's really important to have life insurance because you don't realize how fragile life is. Particularly today, we've had almost 400,000 people die because of COVID. And in many cases, they're leaving their families behind without enough to to cover their expenses. People have rising cost of living and rising debt. It's difficult to buy a house. And you really don't want to leave your kids or your partner behind with a huge financial burden. So it makes sense why people should get life insurance, especially term coverage, which is surprisingly affordable. Why not pay a bit each month to protect the ones you love? If you're asking yourself this question, choose Ladder. Ladder makes it impressively fast and easy to get covered. You just need a few minutes and a phone or laptop to apply. Ladder's smart algorithms work in real time, so you'll find out instantly if you're approved. There are no hidden fees. You can cancel at any time. But since life insurance costs more as you age, it's better to get it earlier and drop it off your list. Lock in the best rate today and get your family covered with Ladder. Go to ladderlife.com slash moneyanswers. That's ladderlife.com slash moneyanswers. Ladderlife.com slash moneyanswers to get the term life insurance you need. Stocks, bonds, investment opportunities, financial news, and talk. We can help. Call us now toll-free, 866-472-5790, 866-472-5790, Voice America Business Network. Do you or someone you love have a life insurance policy that's no longer needed or not affordable? Did you know that you can sell your policy for cash? Your reason for buying life insurance has probably changed. Thousands of Americans turn to life insurance settlements to help sell their policies. They act as your representative, getting the highest market offer for you. You've got nothing to lose by simply inquiring. If you're over 64 with $100,000 or more of life insurance, you may already qualify. Call 877-485-6681 to get your free non-binding appraisal or visit FundingLife.com. Life Insurance Settlements. Discover the true value of your life insurance. 877-485-6681. Jordan Goodman is an affiliate. He recognizes quality solutions, forming relationships to help improve the lives of his listeners. Tune in to the Voice America Variety Channel on the Voice America Talk Radio Network. Voice America Variety broadcasts a diverse array of topics, reaching a global community. Our experts come from all walks of life, and the topics they discuss are everything from current events, arts and entertainment, leadership, parenting, relationships, self-improvement, career advice, and a variety of other topics. Check us out today. You're sure to find something of interest. Voice America Variety. Talk on today's hot topics. 
You've been listening to The Money Answer Show with Jordan Goodman. If you have a question for Jordan or his guest, please call us now at 866-472-5790. That's 866-472-5790. Now back to Jordan. Welcome back to The Money Answer Show. This is Jordan Goodman, your host. My guest this hour is Tom Wallace, a startup and investment expert in Florida. He runs a fund called the Florida Funders Fund. Uh, you can find out more at floridafunders.com. Welcome back to the show, Tom. Thanks, Jordan. Glad to be here. For the, invest- for the investors, what should be their expected time frame if they go into a fund like this? And would they get any income? For, for example, if a company does have an exit, is that capital distributed? Uh, or you know, give us a sense of the time frame investors should expect going into a fund like this. Yeah, we say three to seven years. It can go a little longer than that, um, and think something can happen quicker. We'll typically call the capital in the first three years and invest it and invest it over three, four years. We we save reserve capital for follow-ons, which means we like to ride our winners. So when they do fall, when they do other rounds, later rounds of investing, we participate in those. Um, so that's ba- you know basically time frame. We as soon as we have an exit, we distribute the money to our investors. Um, mm-hmm. And uh, so, it, so it can happen inside of three years. That's not typical, um, but you know, sometimes you know somebody's got a hot, hot company or a hot technology, and you know some other company sees it and they just you know snap them up. So, um, but we always distribute uh, as soon as we have an exit, successful exit. We always distribute the money back to our investors. And most of your exits are from takeovers or going public, or how do most of them exit? Most of them are, are from acquisition, uh, whether it be a, a acquisition to um, a later investor, maybe a private equity firm, or a strategic buyer, some other technology company buying them. Uh, that's most of our exits. But IPOs, you know, they can happen. I mean, we haven't had one yet, but I would, you know, anticipate we will have one. Have one. Um, and when there was an IPO, then we just distri- we would just distribute the stock of the then public company, and the investor can hold it or or liquidate it. It's up to them. Uh-huh. Very good. Okay, so let's talk about some of the specific industries and technologies that you're most excited about. The first one is esports and gaming. And just first talk about that industry, why that's so exciting, and then maybe give us an example or two of a company uh, you've invested in in that space. Yeah, that's, that's a really exciting space. I mean, the growth in, in esports and gaming is just huge and going to be huge, especially you start thinking about layering gambling with esports. Um, online online gambling is going to be a huge industry in, in the sports industry. We just made an investment in that space. Uh, one thing real quick that most people might not know is Orlando is a big gaming capital. So Electronic Arts, one of the biggest gaming um, software companies on the planet, has 1,000 employees in Orlando. And the University of Central Florida in Orlando has a master's in gaming program that is, that is, is one of the top three or four in the country. So we've got that in our backyard. The investment we made is in a company called Simple Bet, and this is a company in the in the online gaming industry that um, basically allows for micro betting. Their demo is really cool. Think about it. you're you're at a baseball game or you're watching a baseball game on TV. This batter comes up, you can make a bet: is this batter going to strike out? Are they going to hit a single, a double, a triple, a home run? And as the pitches come in. It does real-time updating of the probability, and you can bet further. So if you're betting that this this, this batter is going to walk and the pitcher throws two balls, um, you know, the probability of the walking just increased. So 
uh, you know, and adjust it real time. It's it's really exciting, and they they are uh, they are in that space. Uh, we made another investment in a gaming company on Los Angeles. We do invest primarily in Florida companies, but we reserve we we do sometimes invest outside of Florida. And that was a California company called Artie in the gaming space, and um, they have a way for streaming games not to go through the Apple Store and, and the Google Store, so that that the the, the the gaming companies don't have to pay the thirty percent fee. So we were excited about them, um, and we we just like that space, and and uh, we're going to keep keep our eyes on it and hope to make additional investments in it. Very good. The next one is cybersecurity. Uh, we've had this recent. Uh, Soviet or Russian hack that seems to impact yeah. all kinds of companies and the government and so on. Uh, cybersecurity doesn't be working too well these days. What are you finding? Yeah. What, what does the growth of cybersecurity look like? You know, we love this space. Um, in Tampa, we're very fortunate because we have quite a cybersecurity um, community here. We've had uh, a unicorn in our business is a company with over a billion dollar valuation that's still private. We have I think three local unicorns in the uh, cybersecurity space here in Tampa, Novi4, ReliaQuest, and um, uh, well, the other one, the other one's probably not as public, so I shouldn't mention it. But we, we just love the space. I mean, no matter where technology goes in the future, when you think about 5G, when you think about artificial intelligence, when you think about blockchain, um, when you think about augmented virtual reality, autonomous vehicles, all of it. security is just going to be a bigger and bigger, more important than ever, because there's so much money out there that uh, that hackers can go after in so many different ways they can do it. And unfortunately, there's a lot of bad actors and, you know, they're all over the world. Obviously, China and Russia are well known for this. And, you know, they, I mean, I use a simple example, you know, as an investor in a lot of different funds myself, you know, three or four years ago, one of the private equity firms on investor, they send me a, a PDF with wiring instructions. I wired them the money. Well, the PDF was hacked. We never saw the money again. Nobody ever saw the money again. That was four years ago. I mean, it's common practice now, almost all the funds, including us, we, we never send out wiring instructions that are not in a, in, you know, in, in a secure uh, manner. But uh, that's just an example of of what's going on. And we've made, we've made one and two investments in cybersecurity. Cerebus is one of the companies we invested in, um, but we want to do a lot more. And, uh, you know, we're, tell, we're, tell us about the ones you already have invested in. Well, Cerebus was a very early um, investment for us in that they were pre-revenue. I mentioned that we typically invest in companies that have a real product and real revenues, maybe not a lot because they're early stage. Cerebus was, they didn't have their product out yet. Um, and well, but what we really liked about it was the team and the founder. The founder had a very uh, extensive background in cybersecurity, and he was taking a little. It was a, all around the cloud and cybersecurity, a cloud product. So if you think about, we're all in the cloud now. Everything's in the cloud, right? I mean, that's been a big shift over the last what five to ten years. You know, starting with yeah. Salesforce, and you know, all of our data is in the cloud. And you just think about when it's out there in the cloud, everything's more vulnerable, right? It's got to move. And uh, so they're, they're focused on that space. And how has that done since you invested in them? Uh, actually, it, it's done well, and we're excited about it. They did a follow-on. They did another round, which we participated in. And um, oh, uh, another one of their other – in, in the second round, they did the other strategic investor was 
Oh gosh, it, it just jumped out of my head. It's not Twilio, but it's a company like Twilio, a very hot tech company invested in the next mm-hmm. round. So we're pretty excited about it and the valuation was higher. So one of the things we love to do is invest at a valuation of X and then the next round is 2X or 3X. And yep. so uh, and that, that was the case with, with uh, Cerebus. What is in general the difference in valuation between the private market and the public market. People have been saying the private market is valued higher than the public market to some extent. Where does that stand these days? Well, that only affects us really on the exit. Um, you know, when companies are at the, at the public size, we don't have any companies at, at that uh, juncture yet. So, um, you know, I would tell you that the one thing we've seen is between venture capital and private equity you know, it's just trillions and trillions of dollars. I read somewhere where the the, the private markets, the, the private funds of uh, venture capital and private equity combined are going to out be larger than the entire public markets at some point coming up here in a year or two. I mean, there's just so much wow. money um, in the private side of things. There, we've definitely seen you know valuations increase, and some people say they're too high. But even the public markets, some people say. I mean, look at what's happened with Zoom and Peloton and you know, all these public companies, Shopify, I mean, a lot of people think their valuations are too high too. So, you know, I've, I've heard, you know, both sides of this and, and certainly there's an argument to be made that the tech tech industry as of, has benefited a great deal from COVID and it's really shot valuations up across technology as, as a whole. I mean, look How at, does this look compare to like I mean, the dot-com boom of 1999, 2000? You probably went through that when things got kind of crazy. Is this a similar bubble in the technology space today? Yeah, that's a great question. They asked uh, David Tepper, the hedge fund guy, I liked his response. He said he hadn't seen a market this frothy since 99. I think there's a big difference, though. Most of the companies back in 99, and I was, I was running a tech company at that time, a lot of those companies had no revenue uh, or very little revenue, and, you know, and, and it was just all upsell. The other thing, think about the online world, 1999, 2000, what were there, 500,000 people online, a million people online? Now, you know, the big difference in fast forward 20 years is there's billions of people online. Of the 6 billion people on the planet, probably 4 billion or 5 billion are online, right? So, you know, it's just, it's, it's just such a, a bigger um, technology. It's just, you know, everybody uses it, right? And uh, the other thing, these companies are real companies with real they may not be profitable. I mean, you can argue that some, but you know, Amazon was, Salesforce wasn't profitable for the first six or seven years. I mean, Amazon wasn't profitable for a long time. A lot of people would argue they're still not profitable in their core business, AWS, their software business kills it. Um, but, you know, these are real companies. I mean, it's not like they're going out of business or or there's the downside is zero on them. I mean, it's, could you argue that Zoom is way overvalued? Sure. But Zoom's not going out of business. I mean, they're profitable. They're making money. They're growing. I don't think they were profitable till recently. But they're, you know, they're they're, you know, it's a it's a real product. We're all using it. And uh, even Tesla. I mean, Tesla's very. I can. It's hard to believe that Tesla's not overpriced. I mean, some people yeah. think it isn't, but I don't know. <laughs> but they're worth more than Ford, GM, Toyota, and like Mercedes-Benz combined or something. <laughs> crazy absolutely well it's, it's got a lot of fans it's, it's a religion it's not a car company it's a religion actually yeah. yes we're, we're going to take another break uh, this is jordan goodman of the money answer show my guest this hour is tom wallace he's a startup and investment expert and he helps small companies 
uh, particularly in the technology field, go public and uh, get startup capital in Florida. Uh, so he runs what's called the Florida Funders Fund, uh, and you can find out more about him and his fund at floridafunders.com. We'll be back after this. From the boardroom to you, Voice America Business Network. Are you a homeowner tired of making monthly mortgage payments with little progress towards paying down your principal? Does paying off your home in five to seven years without making larger or more frequent payments sound appealing? Paying off your home in full in five to seven years is really possible thanks to Truth in Equity's Mortgage Equity Optimization System, a money management approach that puts your money to work for you 24-7. If you own a home with some equity, have a decent credit score and verifiable income, you owe it to yourself to learn more about Truth in Equity's program. There's no need to replace your mortgage or refinance in many cases. The system works for new home purchases as well as current mortgages. Your home is your largest investment. Own it outright in five to seven years. Call Truth and Equity, 888-262-5540 or visit truthandequity.com, 888-262-5540. Jordan Goodman is an affiliate. He recognizes quality solutions, forming relationships to help improve the lives of his listeners. You've been listening to The Money Answer Show with Jordan Goodman. If you have a question for Jordan or his guest, please call us now at 866-472-5790. That's 866-472-5790. Now back to Jordan. Welcome back to The Money Answer Show. This is Jordan Goodman, your host. My guest this hour is Tom Wallace, a startup and investment expert in Florida who invests in Florida uh, startup companies. Uh, He runs a fund called the Florida Funders Fund, and you can find out more at his website, floridafunders.com. Welcome back to the show, Tom. Thanks, Jordan. So some other industries that you're excited about is e-commerce. Now, Mm -hmm. Amazon and all the major retailers are doing e-commerce. What kind of opportunity is there when the big boys have kind of all taken into e-commerce? We think there's lots of opportunities in e-commerce and anybody that can have, that has tools or ways for company to companies, traditional brick and mortar retailers to move their business online or be more effective reaching their customers online, we think is, is, uh, you know, they're, 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 that's what we like. We really, really like that. I'd, Use an example, Stylist is a company, S-T-Y-L-U-S-T, Stylust, where it's, it's shopping via text. And, you know, you can take a picture of anything. You know, say you see a pair of shoes you like, take a picture of it, text it to Stylist, they'll immediately, it, it's frictionless shopping. It's easier than Amazon. They'll immediately are you back, okay, here's where you can, here's, here's the price, and, uh, you know, we can have it for you, and just hit yes to reply, and it's on its way. I do it all the time. So we love that company. That's an example um, of one of our e-commerce places. We've got a bunch of them. And, you know, again, there anybody that can help with the simplification of the, of the, of the purchasing process. We have another company that uh, provides jewelers a way to use text to keep in cu- touch with their customers. And it, they've done really well during COVID because, you know, most people wouldn't go to the jewelry store, but, you know, they still have anniversaries and birthdays and, and uh, getting married and, you know, they basically allows the salesperson to send you pictures. Here's four different engagement rings. Which one do you want? Which one would you like? And it's um, everybody's everybody's using text now, right? But this allows the store to control that text interaction between their salespeople and the customer. 
And so the salesperson leaves, they have all the data, all the information. It's not going through that salesperson's personal cell phone. It's going through this piece of software and, but, but the, the customer doesn't realize it. So, um, that's another example of, uh, an e-commerce company that we've invested in that we're pretty excited about. In general, how has the whole COVID pandemic affected uh, the e-commerce field? I mean, some people are saying maybe if we all get vaccinated, we're going to go back to normal and people won't shop online as much as they did in the past. What do you think is the long-term implications of the pandemic? Oh, it just, it accelerated every, I mean, people were moving, I mean, people were shopping more and more online every year, right? That's been going on for, you know, probably since, you know, like you know, mid to 2005, whatever. Um, but COVID accelerated everything. So people that never used Instacart to have groceries delivered before are using Instacart. People that um, would never do a meeting virtually, always got on a plane and went to see their customers are using Zoom. It's never going back to what it was. I mean, there's no question about that. I don't think anybody believes that. Um, you know, I wouldn't want to be in the commercial real estate business. I mean, people are going to work more virtually. Um, you know, it's just people have gotten used to it, the convenience. Uh, so I think it's just accelerated. It was going there anyway. It's just it really accelerated because we were forced to use it. We we're working from home. We were quarantining. We were, you know, not going to the grocery store and not going to the jewelry store. So um, it's been great for e-commerce. I mean, there's no question about that. And you've seen that in the valuations of some of these public companies like Shopify and Amazon um, and, and, and uh, PayPal, another example. Yeah. Another area you like is health technology. Uh, again, how has COVID affected that? And what are some, there's so many companies in that area and different technology devices and drugs and so on. How, how do you pick who the winners are going to be in health tech? Yeah. Um, well, first of all, it's kind of two part to pick the winners. Um, you know, we focus on what we know. So we love software. We love applications of technology that make the, the hospital or the doctor's office more efficient. I mean, this is an industry that we all know is broken and inefficient. And I mean, how many doctor's offices you still go in and they have those those manila folders with all the different colors on them and they give you that clipboard with 10 pieces of paper. It's like, what year is this? I mean, this is crazy. <laughs> and, the, and the cost, inflationary cost of healthcare in this country has been out of control for decades. The only way we're going to change that or the main way, I believe, is the application and technology make the whole thing more efficient. I'll use a personal example. I, I, I see a therapist. I have a daughter and, you know, girlfriend, and I'm always dealing with problems. And, you know, I used to drive an hour, to drive a half hour, go to her office, go sit on her couch. You know, now I do it through Zoom. I'll never go back to going to her office. It's just, an, yeah. it's, it's, it's so much easier. It's, I don't waste any time. So telehealth, we love. We have a couple companies in that space, one in the mental, mental love. Uh, Illness side, Tau Connect, it does uh, telehealth on university campuses. Um, we we just we just um, backed a company called Health Snap that does uh, another telehealth play, uh, uh, IP and in, in intellectual property that that came out of the University of Miami that uh, uh, really looks promising. And so, yeah, we we love this this space, and COVID COVID has helped a lot of it as well. Now some. Some of the healthcare, you know, when all the surgery was shut down and some of that, some of our companies that were in, in that side that were affected negatively, but most of them rebound pretty well. And then, you know, if you think about about healthcare, I mean, what it's the 
I don't know. Is it the largest industry in the United States now? Certainly that in construction. I mean, like 25% about, of GDP. 20%, right? Roughly 20% yeah. of the economy is healthcare, I think. Something yeah, like that. It's, it's incredible the size. So, and, um, you know, it's just a, you know, you, you, it's just a phenomenal opportunity. And one of the things we like to do is we like to, we like to solve big problems. And, you know, you think about the problems in that industry and the people you can help. I mean, in telehealth, I mean, the biggest problem on university campuses today is kids with depression and anxiety. The therapists yeah. are overrun. So our company, Tau Connect, allows a therapist on a university campus to see three or four times the number of kids they would see otherwise. Let's talk about artificial intelligence and what role that's playing. It's not a specific industry, but what role is that playing in the kind of investments you're looking at? Yeah, uh, we love artificial intelligence. The challenge with it, and it's really touching. If you're in software, you better be working on using AI to make your product better for your customer, to make your customer experience better. The challenge is that Artificial intelligence, there's a lot, a lot of people, it's like blockchain. Ah, we have blockchain, we have artificial intelligence. A lot of companies will say that. But you, that's part of our due diligence to really dig in and say, do you really have artificial intelligence or is this really blockchain or is it kind of like pseudo? Um, because, for example, real artificial intelligence is hard, hard work. I mean, IBM came out with Watson, what, a decade ago? And it's, you know, in, the, in one Jeopardy and beat every Jeopardy master. But you've got to get the data into these artificial intelligence applications, and that's tough. They, they, but, it, I mean, it's going to change the world and everything we do. When you think about uh, – I was in Israel, which Israel has amazing technology two years ago, and they had an artificial intelligence piece of software for, for that basically replaced radiologists, it read, read MRIs. So this is reading MRIs, and it's getting smarter every time it does it. it you know, it's machine learning. And when you think yeah. about applying that to, uh, we're looking at a company right now in the, that has does legal contracts. So anybody that puts out legal contracts, I mean, there's a lot of that that can be done by a machine that somebody doesn't have to read these same contracts over and over and blue line, red line them. So we think it's going to touch a lot of different industries, but having saying you haven't had any are two different things. And where we, in our due diligence, really dig in and say, who are your data scientists? Who's doing the programming? Who's doing this stuff? And, you know, we were looking for people that have, you know, really strong backgrounds and have gone to, you know, top universities and, and things like that. Very good. Uh, so we've learned an awful lot. Uh, our, my guest this hour has been Tom Wallace. He's a startup and investment expert in uh, Florida. He's already got one fund out. He's now opened a new fund uh, to allow you to invest along with beside him uh, in his various startup and, and early stage technology ventures. Uh, you can find out more, again, at his website, which is floridafunders.com. Thanks so much. We've learned an awful lot on this edition of the Money Answer Show, Tom. Thanks, Jordan. It's been a great pleasure to be with you and really enjoyed it. And uh, all the best to you and your listeners. Very good. Well, thanks so much. We'll be back next week with another edition of the Money Answer Show. Goodbye for now. Thank you for joining Jordan Goodman and the Money Answer Show. If you have a question for Jordan, please visit his website at www.moneyanswers.com. And be sure to tune in every Monday at 12 p.m. Pacific Standard Time right here on Voice America Business. See you next week.